um, from Colossians chapter 1, the knowledge of God's will, you know, the knowledge of God's will. We want to do his will. We want to understand his will. Colossians 1.9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So God wants to fill us with not just doing his will, but before you can really do his will, as much as, you know, you have to know it. You know, a lot of people say, what is God's will for my life? How many, how many have ever asked that question? What is God's will for my life? I, um, big question, big existential question that people ask, want to know, uh, what should I do with my life? It's a fair question. It's a good question. But those, those, those answers are, those questions are answered in the Bible. God does not leave us to, um, you know, just, you know, to our, you know, just to confusion. So um, the knowledge, of, so Paul is praying that the church may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Too often time we're concerned with doing his will. And oftentimes we're, we don't really, we're not concerned in really knowledge and understanding his will. And, but we have our own ideas of what we think the will of God is. And then we tell God, help me to do that. Right, help me to do that. But that's not the way we approach it. We first approach it to a place of spiritual wisdom and understanding of God's will and not God's knowledge, uh, the knowledge of his will. And then from their flow, from their flows, what we can do with that. Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for another moment that we can have to to bring about Jesus, this word, um, continue to grow in the word of God, continue to be filled with the knowledge of his will in, in, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's what we need, Lord. We need to un understand. God, help us to take us deeper. I'll never forget, Lord, that when I started at Lord's Seminary, and my heart broke because I realized so much that was not being taught in the church. It seemed like church had just remained spiritual kindergarten. And in my heart, and I remember going to class and weeping day after day because of the, the, how you were opening up the glory of Jesus Christ. And so I, my heart's cry is that, Lord, that we would, um, we would feed, oh God, your people, Lord, with manna from heaven, things that can truly strengthen us and help us against the wars, uh, against the enemy, Lord, and the lies of Satan and equip us so that we're not like, bankrupt God on the evil day because there's an evil day coming that you, you make it very clear Lord that we would we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might that we might be able to stand in the evil day and so we, we, we pray God strengthen us strengthen us so that when those days come when when the winds Lord are going to come against us Satan's going to come against us that we can stand strong and not cave in to the lies of Satan and so, Father, build us up in our most holy faith today. Help us to rejoice in Christ and all that you are doing for the glory of your name. Amen. Well, let's continue. So we, we, we saw that Paul wants this, um, the church to be filled with the knowledge of his will. And we learned that this knowledge, that the substance of this knowledge is God's will. God's will. Now, we, we also we ask the question, what is God's will? Well, God's will refers to this desire, this desire in God for something that brings him great pleasure. You know? So God is a God of pleasure. God has never felt anything less than pleasure. Think about that. It's mind-boggling. He's in continuous 
unbroken pleasure. And, and everything that he desires that, that to be done in creation flows out of that pleasure. So it's like, so you're like in a, you're, you, know, you got to come into the orbit of the pleasure of God. It, he's a, a God of delight, a, a God of just rejoicing, right? Um, rejoicing. And so it's, it's hard to conceive of a God like that. It's hard to, how do you relate with a God that is constantly and just over bubbly? And that's the beautiful thing about Christ, that he condescends. He condescends and, and he's, um, he's with us. Amen. He understands our frail state. He understands that we're not always bubbly. He understands we're not always like, right? He understands that. But it, now while he understands that, un understand him, he's bubbly. <laughs> it's like his heart rejoices, right? And so, so we're, we're trying to get into that because the more we get to know God, the more we can become like Christ, amen? And then I believe that the joy of the Lord begins to, right? It, it starts to take uh, a real hold in our hearts. And so whatever the Lord pleases, that's what he does. You know, his will for your life has everything to do with his pleasure. God's will for your life is God's pleasure for you. All right, so whatever the Lord does, he, whatever he pleases, he does. And then, then we began to ask the, the million-dollar question. If God's will is, is something in God for something particular, Right, that brings him great pleasure and satisfaction. I'm interested to know what what is that? What is what is that? What is that pleasure? And so I and I, I said, okay, how do I answer this question? He said, well, without just kind of just blowing it over. And the Lord led me to Psalm Psalm the Psalm. So let's read Psalm 149. Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in His maker. Let make let the children of Zion rejoice in their King. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. The Lord brought me to Psalm 149, and I began to give you last week um, a little bit of the layout of Psalms, right? And how Psalms, right, Psalms really does give us a real-life portrait of, uh, of what it means to live in covenant with God. So the Psalms are a great way to know, it's a reflection to know if we're saved or not. Right? If, if, if a person reads the Psalms and says, man, I can't relate with nothing of that, then something's wrong. <laughs> something, is, something is not right. But um, you should find your life in the book of Psalms every day. There is a Psalm that will describe your life tomorrow. I believe that 100%. That the word of God endures forever. That the, that the portrait that we, 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 get, we are given in the book of Psalms concerning the life of a believer, life living in covenant with God, I believe every day of our lives are written in the Psalms. Amen? You know what that means? You know, it's like there's something. Now, now we'll, let's figure out which, which one. You know, maybe it's uh, Psalm 103. Maybe it's Psalm 114. Maybe it's, you know, Psalm 13. You know, but whatever. Where in the Psalms can you find? That doesn't mean that you have to find the Psalm every day. My goal is to find my psalm every day. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes psalms can be a season of life. It's not just a day, but it's like I've been in Psalm 13 for the last, like, 50 years. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, right? <laughs> so it's like, so th there are seasons of life, right, that, that, that every season of your life, and we're all in seasons of life. All of us are in seasons of life. All of us are in a season, and all the seasons that we walk with God are described in the book of Psalms. Does that make sense? 
So, so that's a comfort for, the God, for God's people to know that it's a, it's a confirmation that my life is meaningful. My life is, God has already seen it. Amen. And don't believe the lie of the devil, which is. Nobody's going through this. Nobody's, I'm the only one. <laughs> Nobody's ever gone through this. Lord, you, you forgot to write Psalm 151. Just, just you know, for this category. No. Right? How many times the devil told you, oh, I'm unique. I, I'm only me go through this problem. Oh, man, I lived there for like six years. I was going through battles. I'm like, okay, Lord, we need to talk. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't see this in the scriptures. <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and it's just like, and, and, and that was a battle for me. Lord, I, I think I'm the only one. Yeah, so, so that's a lie of Satan. Amen? It's a lie. You're not the only one. You, you, your struggles, your battles, what you're suffering, it's common. That's what the Bible says. Your temptations are common. And Satan wants to isolate you, make you feel like it's only me. I only have this problem. No. Read the Psalms. You'll find it. Now, you got to read your Psalms meditatively. You got to pray. You got to ask, right? So it's not just, it's just not there. But, but the Psalms give us this beautiful portrait of the life of of a believer living in covenant with God. And in that life, there's everything. In that life, there's disappointment. In that life, there's failure. In that life, there's sin. In that life, there's victory. In that life, there's praise. In that life, there's tears. It's all of the above. Amen? It's all there. But what I was really interested, you know, so, so the book of Psalms is such a great book. Um, but then I began to, last week, look at the, um, the last five, six chapters of the book of Psalms really unique, really unique in their character. And what we, um, it, it, Psalm 145, from one, Psalm 145, Psalm 146, or Psalm 147, Psalm 148, Psalm 149, which we read, Psalm 150, is like a, it's a unique, unique uh, 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 season, right, uh, in the life of the Psalms. And what we, we said last week was that in those last six chapters, what's missing? Something is missing. What is missing? No more, no more cries, for the, no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain. There's no more, there's no, starting from Psalm 145, there's no more suffering. There's no more battles. There's no more wars. Nothing. It, it's done. Psalm, start, Psalm 145, Psalm 150. Yeah, it's like. So who, who's in Psalm 146? <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> you know, we, no, we have we have glimpses. We have glimpses. You know, we have we we all by the grace of God. We there are moments when you you get glimpses, right? And it's as if all war, everything's over. Amen. I've been mo I've had moments like that. It was like, okay, Lord, just take me home. I'm just take me home now. I think I'm ready for the rapture. <laughs> it's like, right? So it's like because you, you get glimpses of perfection. I get glimpses of perfection. And it's like, oh. But we come out. Right? <laughs> we come out. And we, get, we got to come back to earth. So no, but we don't sustain, right? We're, right? So, so Psalm 146 through 150, 
is a unique passage of scripture that just no more suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more enemies, no more nothing. And so we, we pay close attention to these songs. And what did we say last week? You know, the last prayer for deliverance, the last suffering uh, from the psalmist's point of view. I'm going to make that clear. From the psalmist's point of view, the last prayer that we have is Psalm 144, Psalm 144, verse 11. And we see, rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners. Uh, Psalm 144, verse 11. And that's, that's, um, that's the last prayer as recorded. Rescue me. But, you know, even, even, in, even as you're praying, rescue me, you know, Psalm 145 is coming very close, right? That, 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 that's, a spiritual, that's a spiritual lesson there. That in the moment where you're crying out to the Lord, Just in a short while, things are about to change. Right? It's amazing how, how often how many people give up in the last half hour. Right? They give up. And yet deliverance is probably going to be another, another 10 minutes. You know, so in other words, you may be a Psalm one, some of you may be a Psalm 144, verse 11. And, and your weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes, is coming in the morning. You know, so the idea that, that we have all these wonderful uh, things that God wants to teach us. So what, 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 did, what did we learn? What did we learn from these, um, these last six psalms? We basically, how can we account for this? And I believe, I believe that um, um, this is intentional by God who, who wrote the Bible. God wrote, God wrote the psalms through men. But don't ever tell you, don't ever say, oh, man wrote the Bible. Yes, but God's the author. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, no, 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 no. This is, you know, God's, God. Breathe the scriptures, the Bible says. Uh, and, and so what happens when you come to these last six psalms, I believe what you're beginning to see now is that God is giving us an eschatological preview. Remember we said that big word yes, last week, eschatological. And what is eschatology? What is that? It just simply means, right, the last state. So I think I have a, a point to that. Um, is the study of the last or the final state. God has an end in view for all of creation, for your life, my life. God has something in end. You're not just, a, you know, a, a molecule in the, in the, you know, in the cosmos. You, know? <laughs> you, you are a person that God created with an end in view. God has an end for you. God has a purpose for you. God has a state where all that he ever wanted will be complete. Think about that. That's pretty as astonishing. Like, it's not, it's not forever in, in that sense. There's a beginning, and then there's the end. Now, the end is forever, <laughs> but there's a beginning and an end. There's a beginning of the process, and there's the end of the process, which introduces the end, and that's eternity, right? That's eternity. But there's a, you're going somewhere. The church is going somewhere. There's something very well defined by God. This is very clear in God's mind. You may not think about it. You may not even, you may, it may not matter to you, but it matters greatly to God. All that he is doing, he does it with the end in view. Everything, nothing God ever does just for the moment. God, 
is God is not just expedient for the moment. Okay, I'll let you have that, but this has nothing to do with my purpose. <laughs> it's like God is always doing everything with the end in view. And Psalm 146 to 150 begins to bring that end together in a beautiful way. And so we see that in Isaiah when the Lord says, right, declaring the end. I declare the end from the beginning. God is speaking the end. When you read the Bible, read it eschatologically. Read it with the end in view. Don't get stuck in the animals. Don't get stuck in the tabernacle. They got purple curtains. Unbelievable. No, think about purple curtains in relationship to the end. Think of the lamb in relationship to the end. Right? So all of it, you know, read it with the end of you. God is declaring, always declares the end. He's telling you about the end. God is interested about the end. God is obsessed with the end. Now, you, it's understandably why. I hope you can... Uh, it's obvious why he's obsessed with the end, because every person, every architect, every artist, every what, what, what they can't wait for that climactic, right, <laughs> so that they can display their work. Amen, right? Is, is there an artist that just keeps painting? Um, when are you going to stop? I'm not, I'm not ever stopping. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to keep doing that. Why, why are you doing that? I just like doing this. No. <laughs> They're looking forward. I'm going to paint this masterpiece, and there's a point where I'm going to display, and everybody's going to say, wow, that's pretty awesome, right? <laughs> it's not complicated. God has an end in view. And so Psalm 145 through Psalm 150, God begins to give us a little glimpse. Amen? God is going somewhere with us, and so he gives us a great portrait in Psalm 150. All right, in Psalm 145 through 150, gives us a great, so read it. Now, we come to Psalm 149, and I am so, I'm, I've been so just grateful for the Lord to, you know, and, and um, just trying to understand. Remember, the question that we're trying to answer is, what is God's particular pleasure? So, bear, stay with me. We'll go through a couple of things just to lay some foundation. So we come to Psalm 149. And, and of course, I think Psalm 149 is going to describe us something. That it's going to answer the question, what is the particular pleasure of God? But, so the question I have to ask myself was, well, what is, what is the reality that Psalm 149 is, is describing? But in order to answer that question, you have to answer the question of Psalm 150. Psalm 150, what is the reality, the significance of Psalm 150? Because Psalm 149 comes before 150. And so when you look at um, Psalm 150, as we said last week, and let's just read through, let's just read through. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute play and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbal. Praise him with loud clashing. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, you know, I want, I want to help us as a church to get into the stream of that. 
This is glorious what's happening. This is, the, this, is, this is Psalm 150. This is the end of the psalm. This, in other words, this is the end of that Psalm 146 to 150. This is the end. Um, and how does this function? This is basically functions to give us, clearly is giving us a glorious climax. While something started in Psalm 145, but okay, praise God for Psalm 145, but whoa, Psalm 150 is a climax. What do we mean by climax? The tip, right? The highest point, right? That's it. There's nothing more after that. So Psalm 150 functions as this climax. That, that's it. And I'll never forget, like, reading it as a young, even as a young believer, and I'm like, oh, this sounds nice, but I, I don't get the, what the point is. I mean, have you ever felt like that? Okay, everybody's praising the Lord. Praise God. Like, and I'll never forget, I didn't like the feeling like that. But, you know, I have to be honest with myself. I, 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 don't, I don't mind being honest. <laughs> this is a, you know, it's great that everybody praise the Lord, but that's great. But, you know, I, I find other things more interesting. Right? <laughs> right? And I don't know, maybe some of you are like that. Just you read this, what's the big deal? But finally, after 38 years of being saved, <laughs> the Lord has, is, is allowing me to read it differently and to experience something and to say, like, oh, took 38 years but for the first time I feel like I'm appreciating Psalm 150 and I've been reading it all week long you know so so it's just like one of those things like thank you Lord because I and the Lord reminded me when I was a believer I, I like I, I, I would read this like, what's, what's the big deal praise God praise God praise him okay that's great fantastic that's great but now my heart amen you know, the Bible's like that. Don't ever think that, don't ever make a, a conclusion about the Bible because at the moment you may not get it. Just give God the benefit of the doubt that he's mighty, he's glorious, and, and he may not have you. You know, even what I'm saying right now, some of you are not going to probably get it fully, which is absolutely fine. Jesus did not speak if only when they got it. He said, what I say to you, you don't understand now, but you will understand later. <laughs> it's like, so it's okay. It's okay. To, but give yourself some, some to, to, to the meditation and thoughts. So I said, what, what is it? What is there here? So Psalm 150 presents a, 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 a reality, a climax of reality. Now, because we're fallen in sin, we look at the climax of that reality. Of course, if the angels were to read that, what are they doing? They're like jumping up and down. They're, they're, they're rejoicing. We read it and we're like, <laughs> Not bad. Right? But what Psalm 150 describes is the end of God's covenant. And the fact that we're not even rejoicing right now, right? We're like, well, whatever. It is a view, is a reminder of our fallen nature, right? We're like, what? Oh, okay. But when you see it from God's eyes, right? <laughs> When you see it from God's eyes, something opens up. And that's what we're asking God. God, open this up to me. I, I want to rejoice in the end. I want to rejoice in that, Lord God. So that's what we're asking God. God, I want to rejoice in this. And we won't see it perfectly because of the fallen nature. Our fallen nature will always be a hindrance to see clearly. But may, may the Lord open our eyes to see more. Amen? So we're going to continue today to just look at Psalm 150. And just lay a foundation before we go to back to Psalm 149. 
Psalm 150, right, we're going we're gonna to look at the significance of Psalm 150, the psychological significance of Psalm 150. What, what, is, what, what is it like, uh, what is it really pushing, uh, what is it teaching us, what is it, you know, showing us? Um, and, send, and, then we'll, and then we'll go to Psalm 150. So th- basically, Psalm 150 is going to answer basically um, like six questions. I may not do them all today. I'll start it and then we'll, 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 we'll see. But I'm going to try and move quickly. It's going to answer six questions. First of all, Psalm 150. Now, when I say this, don't just say, don't just, uh, it's just, it's climax. It's answering six climactic questions. In other words, six eschatological questions with respect to the last stage. It's th- so this is not just questions that it's answering, but it's, it's, it's going to answer these questions that have to do in the climax of everything. Does that make sense? It's not just answering, you know, Jesus Christ died on the cross. Who died on the cross? Jesus Christ died on the cross. That's not necessarily, there, there's, there's an eschatological significance, obviously, for that, but I, you know, I'm not, that's not my intent. I'm just telling you, Jesus Christ died on the cross. You know, who died? Jesus Christ died on the cross. The question that's answered here is, I want you to think of it in terms of the final thing. What first question is, who is to be praised? The first question is, in that climax, in that, who's going to be praised? Right? Like, in that, apparently, in the climax, in the final thing, God has somebody to be praised. So praise in an integral part of this last state. So who is to be praised? Well, Psalm 150, verse 1 tells us very, very clear. Let's read it together. Praise. Praise what? Praise the Lord. So that's that's the first thing that Psalm 150 is going to tell you. In this climax, in this final state, there's no more states after this. There's no more more redemptive history after this. It's it's over. Redemptive history is over. Who's going to have the climactic, right, the final spotlight of all the purpose of God accomplished, the Lord. Well, that's interesting. What happened to Elohim? Praise Elohim. No, 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 no. El Shaddai. No. Adonai. No. Wait one minute. As great as those names are, the Bible says it very, he doesn't say praise Adonai. He doesn't say praise Elo, uh, Elohim. Right? He doesn't say praise, you know, El Shaddai. Praise the Lord. So the name, this name now is going to inform the final state. Right? So you guys are following me? Tracking with me? The Lord has said, praise Adonai in Psalm 150. Uh, we have to, you know, we, we make adjustments. <laughs> if the Lord has said, praise El Shaddai, well, well let's, make a, let's make an adjustment, right? So every name is unique. Every name of God is unique. Why praise, what name is this in the Hebrew? Yahweh. Uh, right, yeah. As far as we know, that's how some people, it's the tradition how it's pronounced, but 
why 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 praise Yahweh? Why not? Why is Yahweh putting uh, in Psalm 115 in, in the climax of all things? Right, the, there's no more after this. Why is Yahweh being praised? Well, so look, a couple things. Um, Yahweh, very very important. That's why Psalm 115. In the climax of all that's happening now, when Psalm 150. God, all of God's promises have been accomplished. This is the, the final stage, right? Um, it, it makes a distinction. The, the name Yahweh is going to make a very clear distinction, right? From what? A clear distinction from what? From all the other what? Gods, right? So Yahweh, is his, that name is unique. And, and there's a uniqueness that God's saying, no, 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 in that last stage, There'll be no confusion. <laughs> There'll be no confusion. You know, he, he, he's, there's other gods. What are some of the other gods' names? Some, name me some. You uh, students of the Bible. What are some of the names? Molech. What else? Baal. Right? What is it? Titan? <laughs> Probably the Greek gods. Right? <laughs> there are all these pagan gods, all these things, right? right? There's millions of them. But, you know, the Bible does introduce a few of them into our Marduk, right? So Psalm 150, in the final state, Marduk is what? The apprentice? Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. What happened to Baal? Bye-bye. Molech? Bye. <laughs> Bye. Right, gone. No more. No more. Glorious. This is where God is going. Amen. Look at Exodus 5. Exodus 5, 1 and 2. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is Yahweh? What do you think he's saying there? I've never heard of him. This is a, are you kidding me? Yahweh. Had he ever heard the name? No. How do we know that? Well, we'll, we'll see. But I'll, I'll just take it my word. We'll, we'll read it. <laughs> He's like, it was like you coming in, um, and we, everybody's talking LeBron James and Shaquille O'Neal, and then you, you mention um, um, Bubba Smith. And he, yeah, he's a great point guard. Bubba Smith, who's Bubba Smith? Who is Bubba Smith? Right? <laughs> it's like, Pharaoh's saying, who is Yahweh? You, you, made, that, you made that name up. <laughs> you made it up. Moses said, no. That I shall obey his voice and let it. I do not know the Yahweh. I don't know that. But back then, back then in that culture, they were what? They were pluralistic. They were like many gods. So if you came with a god, that would just add them to, add them to the collection. <laughs> we, so we, we are, uh, we are a, uh, equal, equal employment I, I, idols. <laughs> and, and, and the gods, you know, they, didn't really care. they just included all the gods, and you can just enjoy them. But, this, but they, didn't, they never heard Yahweh. They were like. So the fact that they didn't even heard of him is like humiliating from Pharaoh's point of view. You understand that? 
It's humility. How, how dare you? You come with a no-name God? At least pick one of the famous ones. <laughs> Plus, Moses is like old. And maybe a little shaky. <laughs> you got to love God's sense of humor. It's like, come with a name that, that Pharaoh doesn't know and an old frail man. Yep. And he says, I'm not going to let you go. Now, how do we know that um, this, word, this name had never been heard? Because in Exodus 6, verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. But that was Moses like, huh? Moses said, what? You made that up? <laughs> right? That was Moses' moment when the Lord says, God, this is an interesting moment because um, God speaks to Moses and gives him a new name, a name that Moses had never heard. Now, put yourself in your shoes. Man. I don't care, I'm, right? Somebody comes, so you see a vision of something, and they tell you, hey, I'm Robert. You're like, what's your such a name, Robert? Never heard of such a name. You know I mean? Right? You don't know this God. You're, seeing, you're, having, you're having some kind of experience here. But he says, I am the Lord. And then because, because the Yahweh knows that Moses is like, whoa, who are you? Is, is this a devil? Is this a demon? <laughs> like, right? The Lord says, I appeared to Abraham. I am the great I am. <laughs> I love that because at that moment, Moses like, One minute, <laughs> right? Just one minute. <laughs> you know, the Lord immediately calms whatever whatever doubt that Moses may have had concerning the name because he had never heard the name. I am. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now, it's, it's beautiful because God now, th this spirit, this being, he's having a conversation with a bush. <laughs> so put yourself in Moses' shoes, and and but it's so comforting to know when that being, that spirit thing, right? God mentions Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What does that do for Moses? Moses says, "I'm Yahweh." Immediately, I just got, I just love the way God does this. Immediately, Moses like relax. I believe, I think. What a moment that was. That was so wonderful. For a moment, he's fearful, right? Because this is, uh, this is a trembling moment, but, but he reminds them, I'm the God that never fails. Oh, you guys are so good. And Moses is like, I think that was a turning point for him. I, I, I think about that moment, it's just like, I appear to, now, and God's going to explain, I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew me as what? Good morning, El Shaddai. Hey, when El Shaddai, you going to bring the food? Um, El, it was all El Shaddai. El Shaddai, what time are you going to be? You know, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Shaddai. The whole, the whole, it was El Shaddai. But 
Yahweh. I did not make myself known to them. Oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not know the Lord as through by the name of Yahweh. So what is with this name? So the first thing that we know is that there's a clear distinction that God is making. He's Yahweh. I'm not any of these other ones. And then the name, that name that he reveals to himself to Moses will be the name that now appears in Psalm 150. So that name is going to be unique. And that's why, that's why the history of Moses will, will take on center stage in redemptive history. In, especially in the Old Testament, because it's going to be it's going to act uh, as a type of something glorious. But let, let let's um. Let me give you um you know this so so Psalm one fifty you know is really anticipating the glorification of the name. Right, the glorification of Yahweh. Now let me just read to you something from Philippians so that some of you can just connect the dots. Philippians chapter two. Well, Philippians 2, 9, 11. Therefore, God has highly and exalted him concerning Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. Now, for a Jewish person, that's, those are fighting words. Okay, put them up. For a Jewish person, they're like, what? How dare you? Why? Why, why is that? Why is that such an insult to the Jewish person? Because, because of the name, Hashem. Jesus has a higher name than Yahweh? Yes. <laughs> yes. Right? So Psalm 150 is anticipating the glorification of God in a particular name. In the Old Testament is the name that was given to Moses, Yahweh. But now the fulfillment of that is in another name, which is Jesus. God has highly exalted him. And Paul knows what he's doing when he says, and God gave him a name. Jews understood that language. They understood the importance of the name. God giving him a name that is above every, who's, it, when Paul says above every other name, is he talking about um, Bob, greater than Bob, greater than Shirley, greater than Julie, greater than, is, is, that, what, is that what Paul has in mind? Who is, what is every other name refers to? Every other divine name, <laughs> right? And, 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 and trust me, since it's, every, it's, it's above every other divine name, it's above our name too. Don't be confused about that. <laughs> you might be confused. Well, maybe I have a chance. <laughs> no. <laughs> no chance. Sorry. You know, it's above every other name. But the name he doesn't have in mind is just the names of regular people. He has the name of every other God that has every other name that God has used. Not just the pagan names, but every other name that God has used to reveal himself. The name of Jesus is above every one of those. And all those other names are great. Great. But the name of Jesus is the climax. Amen? So that at the name of what? 
Jesus, every knee should bow. And in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In other words, this is not, the, the exaltation of the Je Jesus' name is not isolated to the earth, just to men. No, it's in the entire creation of God, including heaven and on earth and even under the earth. In hell, right? So, so that the name of Jesus will be magnified, right? The name of Jesus is exalted, right? I'm not forget my father told me one time, say, Emmanuel, um, this is how you know. Pay attention to how people talk. And he would tell me what? When they mention Jesus in their talk, if it's just God, 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 and I'll never, never, never forget that. And, and mention the name of Jesus. You ever seen these political prayers? Our heavenly Father in heaven, the gods of all the clouds. And they just go on and on. They never say Jesus. That's how you can tell something's not right. Because there's a name above every other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee, everything will bow. Everything. This is, this is phenomenal. Everything will bow. Everything is going to bow at the name of Jesus. Right? But that's not all. Look at what verse 11 says. Every tongue will confess. And guess what will they, what will they confess? Jesus Christ is Yahweh. <laughs> right? Jesus Christ is the Lord. Right? Right? He's Yahweh. He's, right? He, he, all, all this time we've been trying to find out the revelation of Yahweh. Who's Yahweh? Yo, who's Yahweh? This great name Jesus Christ is. Amen? And so... Psalm 150, while it doesn't have the name Jesus, don't get that, don't let that fool you. It's typological. It's anticipating the fulfillment of something that's yet to be revealed, which is the name of Jesus, in the New Testament. But it functions, right, because the highest name in the Old Testament, you don't be confused about it, the highest name in the Old Testament given is the name of Yahweh. But now when we go to the New Testament, God is going to do something else. He's going to give a higher, a highest name, the ultimate name, and that's the name of Jesus. Amen? 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 Amen. Yahweh is going to stress. I'm going to finish with this. I have six questions. Can you believe this? But what do you do? You know, what do you do? It's, 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 a, it's a plague. It's, it's, a, it's a plague in my life, but... But it's like, you know, we should just have one day, just meet for 24 hours. What, what, what do you guys think about that? <laughs> and point number four. <laughs> it's been seven hours. <laughs> oh, man, this is the, the, the things of God, just so beautiful. Amen? But we'll just finish question one. Yeah, secondly, the Lord uses Yahweh not only to make a distinction, but he also stresses the faithfulness of God to keep his covenant. Psalm 150 is a celebration of Yahweh, the name. And that name, what is the significance of that name? Every one of these names, El Shaddai means one thing or, or signifies one thing. You know, Adonai is another. What is Yahweh? Why, why did God have to change his name? Could, could Moses say, hey, Lord, I like Yahweh. I, I like El Shaddai. Can we not change? I, I'm, I like, you know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a familiar person. Don't give me a new name. <laughs> like, he's not going to do that, you know? But why is God revealing these names? What's the point? Like, is, is God just like, I'm in the mood for a different name. You know? <laughs> God doesn't do that. 
these names reveal something of his character and purpose so that his name, so that his purpose is attached to his name. Does that make sense? It's almost like, um, imagine if, if, you're, if you're a father and you tell your son, hey, son, my name is, um, I'll, just call me, I'll, I'll, you'll never go, I'll, I'll never be hungry. Hey, I'll never be hungry, um, right? Uh, hey, I'll never be hungry, can you take me to Thorny Dor- Park? Um, I'll never be hungry, can you, um, uh, can you take me to school? What, well, I'll never be hungry, well, and then guess what? What, you'll find yourself, oh, I don't have any food. I'll never be hungry, right? So God's name is going to function in a way that's going to press the promises of God in your consciousness. So you, because you're calling him what he is. Does that make sense? You're calling him what he promises to do. And so the name Yahweh, in particular, Yahweh is going to stress that God keeps covenant. And that's going to be great news for you and me. He keeps covenant. Look at Deuteronomy 7.9. Deuteronomy 7.9. Know therefore that Yahweh, all right, so your God is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. So at the heart of the name, at the heart of the name Yahweh, God is going to be faithful. For what? To do what? To give you all that you want? Is he going to be faithful? God's going to be a faithful God. He's going to give me everything that I want. Is that what it means? No. It means he's going to be faithful to keep covenant. That is going to be so awesome. In fact, all of the prophets, all from that point on, that's how they pray. All the prophets would pray, eh. Yahweh, and they would remind God, you, your name means keep covenant. And that's the way you pray. That's the way you pray. You pray. You, you bring to God, right? Not right. Hey, covenant-keeping God, I have a prayer. You said, <laughs> that's how the prophets prayed. It's not I, you know, we, 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 not, forget about that I, throw that away. <laughs> it's you promise to lead us. You promise to guide us. Right? That's how you pray. And so, so the, the, the name Yahweh is going to be such a great name because it's going to really be the name that stresses God's faithfulness to keep his covenant and steadfast love. What is steadfast love? You know, the keeping, how he keeps the covenant is by steadfast. If you ever wonder what's the relationship, God's going to keep the covenant. How will he do that? By steadfast love. In other words, his steadfast love is his unconditional love that he has for his people. Unconditional. He will keep steadfast. God does not have steadfast love for the unbelievers. He only has steadfast love for those who are in covenant with him. 
And so God promises to be faithful, to keep covenant, and steadfast love to those who love him and keep his commandments. So, so the name is going to stress God's faithfulness. Psalm 150 is a, uh, a type of the faithfulness of God to, to bring creation, to bring redemption to its end point. Well, Psalm 150 simply says, God wins. That's what it says. God wins. He, did, he, he got everything what he wanted, and he did not lose anything. Psalm 150 is a reminder that God wins. Psalm 150 is a reminder that God is faithful to keep his covenant, that God is going to do what he promised he would do, right? God, Psalm 150 is a constant reminder that God is not going to fail. God's not going to fail you. God's not going to fail us. God's going to keep us. God's going to preserve us. Why? Because we're so good? No, because he's a faithful God. Amen? We've got to live in the name of Yahweh because you're going to fail. You're going to disappoint yourself a thousand times. But God is faithful. Amen? He will do what has to be done. He's not going to just leave us do whatever we want. He's going to be faithful to correct, to discipline, to bring us to repentance. And, he, and at the end, he wins. <laughs> right? It's not complicated. So don't stress when you find your heart drifting. If you find yourself, I'm losing my fire. I'm losing my, what? Don't stress. Cry out to the Lord. Remind him of his promise and say, oh God, I need you. You said you would keep me, right? So God, help. That's it. And you, you, you remind God of all that he promised he would do. It's on him. He initiated the covenant. It, it wasn't Abraham. Abraham said, hey God, can you sit down here? I have, I have a plan. I think I got a good plan. I think this is pretty good. You can, you can ratify it, but you know what? I think this is a good plan. Here it is. I'd like to have a covenant with you. No, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> Abraham did not do that. Abraham was like, sleeping, you know, probably snoring. Hey, get up. <laughs> I got a pl- I'm going to make a covenant with you. What? <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Can you give me, let me sleep? You know, it's a little early in the morning, but yeah. And then God puts him asleep, and then God walks through the, walks through the pieces at night. He walks through, he puts, he cuts all the, the sacrifice, and then God puts him asleep, and then he saw the Lord walking through the pieces. What's walking through the pieces? Is God saying, on my life, I will be faithful. Woe on me if I fail. <laughs> you know, God, God walked through the pieces, secured the covenant, he's going to be faithful. I don't care how, where you will go. Rejoice in the Lord. It's all going to work out. Amen? Be encouraged. He loves you. And it's not because of us. It's because he's faithful. That's his name. He is Yahweh. Amen? He's going to be faithful to you. Don't don't get discouraged. He's going to help you because he's faithful going to encourage you because he's faithful. He'll lift you up. He might let you fall. He'll let, he'll, he, he knows what he's doing. But he will, he will, the righteous man falls seven times and three times the Lord picks him up. Is that what it says? The righteous man falls seven times and four and a half times he picks him up? How often? Seven times he picks him up. Amen? So, you know, just be encouraged. Psalm 150, read it for your encouragement. Remind yourself, 
this is where I'm going. I'm going to be present on that day. You know, <laughs> I don't, are you going to have a tambourine? What are you going to be doing? Tambourine? Uh, a loud stuff? I think I'm going to have all of the above. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to have everything. <laughs> you know, excuse me. <laughs> just walking through. It's just like, it's just rejoicing. <laughs> right? That's where we're going. Right? This, that's it. And it's not like, oh, it's going to be over. We're going to finish. No. That's it. Clapping all day long. <laughs> 600,000 years. Man, are you still out there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, you're just rejoicing in God. That's where we're going. No more sorrow, no more tears, no more discouragement, nothing. Perfect happiness for all eternity. Yahweh's going to do that. Praise who? Yahweh. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll end on this. There is one more thing that the name stresses. But we'll leave that for Chew on, thi- chew on this. <laughs> there is one more thing. Pretty sobering. And already, I, l- let me give you a clue. He reveals the name to Moses, not Aaron. That's the clue. That's, that should tell you something. It's the Moses. But there's one more thing that his name, Yahweh, Amen? Well, we'll, we'll rejoice in that day. I, I don't know where we're going. <laughs> like, I mean, I know where I'm going. Boy, I wanted to, I wanted to complete six questions today. Well, this, is a, this is pretty embarrassing. But I feel happy. <laughs> My heart is rejoicing because you can't, you can't, you can't, what are you going to do with these things? Good luck. Try to describe, try to enjoy Christ, you know, and t- narrow it down to 20 minutes. <laughs> God bless you. I look at these preachers. I'm like, man, you're, you're wonderful. <laughs> but amen. The Lord has been just blessing my heart with this, with this, with this Psalm 150. He just blessed it. I, I'm just like, ah, this is awesome. Awesome what God is going to do. Yeah, amen. And, um, you know, I don't know. I said, Lord, you know, it's just the things we want to get to. And I, and I was like, you know what? I just want the people to rejoice. I've been praying for you guys to rejoice. And just know that God is so good. Not because you're so great. Not because you're like, no, but just rejoice because God is so awesome. And the plans that he has in store are amazing, are like unfathomable. You're going places that, man, and not everybody's going there. The majority of the world will never experience anything that we're talking about. So what are you complaining about? You're blessed beyond comprehension. Blessed. Amen? Let's rejoice in God. Amen? Can we at least sing a song? Let's sing a song. (laughs) If you have to leave, you can leave. But I just want to sing a song, just delight ourselves in God for a little bit. And, um, you know, this is just so glorious to me. And um, how about great is thy faithfulness? Amen? What what a great, you know, great is thy faithfulness. And then let's stand and let's, um, his his faithfulness is great because of his name. Amen. And I want you to really, you know, just take this, this song as, um, as a way of saying, Lord, you know, 
you know, have, don't we all have worries. We all have concerns. We all have things that bother us, right? I mean, well, I'll go tomorrow. I'll hear something in my family. And be like, ah, oh. right? Don't let don't let that rob you of the joy that God has. Stay focused on the things that God has for you. Don't get don't let your mind distract with the disappointments. And rejoice in God. Keep the end in view. Amen. Amen.